Hello and welcome to Cavalcade of America from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Florence Eldridge in One Foot in Heaven on the Cavalcade of America, presented by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Slayton Collier. Tonight, the Cavalcade of America, through special arrangement with Warner Brothers Studios, is happy to present the first radio performance of one of the great screenplays of our time, One Foot in Heaven. It is a story of a man of deep faith, told with fine humor and great humanity. A story of the truest ideals of America. A picture which should be seen by every American today. Tonight, the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, presents Frederick March in his original screen role and Florence Eldridge in the role created by Martha Scott in One Foot in Heaven. business of pulling folks to heaven. <laughs> How's the business of pulling feet? My patience may howl, but I don't sing him. Dr. Hargan, you're a thorn in my side, and I admit it. What have you got against religion? It just doesn't make sense. All this business about saving souls. How do you know you have a soul? I feel it. You feel it? That means you touch it. No, no, no. I didn't mean that. Well, can you see it? No. Can you smell it? Oh, can you taste it? No. Can you hear it? No. Well, then, all your senses are against you. You have no soul. Dr. Horrigan, as a dentist, you must have had many patients with a toothache. Never had one yourself? Certainly. You touch it? Hmm? Did you see it? No. Did you smell it? Taste it? Hear it? No. All your senses are against you. You never had a toothache. That's just sophistry. Pretty clever, though. But tell me, what have you really got for it? Everything, seems to me. The man's protection, his bulwark against trouble. Man can do it a little aid from God to keep him on an even keel. I think Christian morals are the only thing that can save him in the world. Moreover, Christianity is fun. 
It's a way of life. It's man's greatest joy and satisfaction. The end of all living, now and forever. I see. One foot on earth and one foot already in heaven. <laughs> Don't scoff, Doctor. All I ask is that you respect Christ as a teacher. I respect him as the son of God, and you both be happy. If I didn't have to go home and finish writing Sunday sermon, I'd uh, stay here until I had you converted. <laughs> and so I say unto you, if a man keep his faith before him all, always, then he will walk in the sight of... If a man keep his faith, then he will walk in the sight of God. And every man shall... Mother! Mother, where are you? Well, can you tell me why in all creation this parsonage should have been built next to a firehouse? Or even vice versa? Yes. It's something I've been meaning to talk to you about. It's high time the baby was christened. You know yourself it is. So I thought this Sunday... Oh, Will, you aren't listening. Mother, if those bells don't stop pretty soon, I won't be responsible for myself, that's all. Would you deny your child a Christian name? Would you, Will? Who'd deny my child a Christian name? What are you talking about? Will you christen the baby or won't you? You know that's not the issue, dear. It's simply that I will not have my son named plain William Spence. He's got a right to a middle name. He wouldn't be plain William Spence. He'd be William Spence Jr. Junior. A sissy name. I'll take, for example, William Fraser Spence. There's really a name for him. No, Father. I've told you before, I do not like the name Fraser. Oh, isn't it time to start uh, fixing supper? There'll be no supper fixed in this house until this is settled. I never thought you'd take such an uncharitable advantage of me. Very well, Mother. I'll give in. I'll name the baby. This Sunday? This Sunday. Oh, thanks goodness, that's settled. I'll fix you a real good supper, Will. A real good supper. All those who have babies to be baptized, please step forward. Name, please. John Henry Appleby. John Henry Appleby. I baptize thee in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. His name is... William Spence, Jr. William Fraser Spence. I baptize thee in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Fraser is having his afternoon nap. Fraser. Fraser. Bless you, Mother. Bless you. 
You wanted it real bad, didn't you, Father? Yes, I did. Uh-oh. There comes the rain on that leaky roof. I hope you aren't using all the pans for dinner. Hot toast? Uh, hot toast. Come and uh, get the pan to put in the bedroom. I'll put the pans in the study in the hall. I'll take care of the parlor. You better open my finger. Oh, yes, of course. Oh. Strawberry. Your favorite kind. Mother, there are nine holes in this roof. Nine. I've just counted them. Well, that makes it official. There's our, our whole terrace sitting in warm, comfortable houses, and we can't even find a dry spot in ours. More than any man can stand. Well, well, every man has his car. Why are you staring at me like that? Because I'm seeing you for the first time. What an absurd thing to say. You've seen me every day since I was 20. I'm seeing you as you are, Hope. The wife of a partner. I'm remembering the trials you've had to put up with, the series of parsonages you had to live in, each home dingier than the other, and the cast-off furniture, clothes out of missionary barrels. I'm remembering your work in the church, in the Sunday school, the clubs and societies, the committee for the alleviation of the plight of the poor, each a full-time job in itself. Instead, you found time to cook and mend, scrub for a family, rear children, comfort a husband. And you've borne all this with the serenity of a Madonna. I've been your wife, sir. But the years have brought you, they've brought to me. The days I've lived have been beautiful ones. Because you've been part of me. You don't take much time out to say these things. Perhaps you should. Bless you, Mother. Don't you remember what I said the day you asked me to marry you? The day you offered me your kingdom? And teach me not to leave you. Or to return from following after you. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. Mother, you've always hankered after a yellow kitchen and a frigid air, now haven't you? Well, I... Here, taste the stew. Hmm? Oh. Hmm. Good, good. All right, Mother, you're going to have it. I'm going to build a new church. Everyone's building new homes and stores. And while they're about it, they can build something for God. I hope you stay in this mood. It's time they woke up. I'll wager it isn't leaking in Preston Thurston's home or Mr. Sandow's. You can bet your boots it isn't. Yes, the mother. You're going to have the home you've always dreamed about. And I'm going to have my church. listening to One Foot in Heaven, based on Warner Brothers' great new picture. Our stars tonight are Frederick March and Florence Eldridge on The Cavalcade of America, sponsored by DuPont, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. As the next scene opens, Pastor Spence is facing the building committee. When I suggested that the uh, building committee meet here, I had mind that while we're thinking about a new church, we can take a good look at the old one. If we can stand it. My grandfather designed this church to serve his purpose. A lot of souls have been saved in this church. Brother Spence, 
Will you kindly explain to me why in the supposed plan he changed the location of the file off? The file moved, Brother You know very well it is. It's almost hidden. No one will be able to see my wife. Well, Brother Thurston, I've always thought that the function of a choir was to be heard rather than seen. Have you thought what it would mean if I would do my support for this project? Yes, we know. None of your cronies would contribute either. There is certainly not going to be any choir loft or any church unless this whole set of plans is radically changed. And I suggest we adjourn for the evening. Oh, just a moment, gentlemen. Now, Bill, you believe in what you told them about wanting the church? It's both beautiful and spiritual. Well, of course I do, John. And thanks for sticking by me, as you always do. Well, then fight for it. If you'd lick Thurston on this choir issue, you'd have him licked for all time. Yeah, I've been worrying about that choir for a long time. Oh, it's a disgrace. All his family and all his friends smack dab up there in the middle of the whole shebang every Sunday, carrying on like prima donna opera stars. There isn't a voice in that whole choir that didn't crack about the year 1900. I tell him. I put up with it long enough. All right, if they want to fight, they'll have a fight. Have you a plan, John? I suggest you come to church on children's day. Yeah. Well, I suggest you come to church next Sunday on children's day. Something I want to place before the congregation. Our loyal choir has had no rest for nearly 12 years. That, uh, well, that is right, isn't it, Mr. Thurston? Uh, 13 years, that extent. Yeah. 13 years. That is service deserving of reward. Why don't you good singers take a vacation this summer? In the meantime, we'll, we'll let the children provide the music for the church. All right, all right, all right. I accept that applause as a tribute to our loyal choir. Over the summer, we let you rest. The children will carry on, starting now. All right, children. Yes, Brother Thurston, I guess we'd have to say it was a put-up job. 
For years, I've let you run the choir as you wanted. And many's the Sunday I've gone home with a headache. You seem to forget that all church appointments, including music, are made by me. That is a condition which no longer exists in this church. In that case, this church is no longer big enough for you and me. And, Mr. Thurston, I can only accept your resignation. With thanks for your many years of service. Don't be too sure that it's I who go. You're letting yourself in for trouble, Reverend, when you start fooling with me. You're letting yourself in for trouble. Why aren't you in school? Well, I... I... Father, I've been expelled. Mr. Haskins called me into the principal's office. He said I was dismissed. Why? What for? Well... What was it that the editorial you wrote in the school paper? Oh, no, sir. No, Mr. Haskins said I've done a good job with the paper. And he said they were counting on me in the orchestra you know, concert. I'm doing my best, please, but if you keep telling me what it's not, we never get any place. So just skip all the rest and tell me what it is. Well, do you know Elsie Mayfield, Father? Mayfield, Mayfield. Oh, uh, congregationalist family, aren't they? Her father's an electrician. I, I don't know whether he's a congregationalist or not. Well, Elsie was in my Latin class, but she isn't anymore. Well, why isn't Elsie Mayfield in your Latin class anymore? Her family's moved to San Francisco. Well, it seems entirely reasonable to me that if her family has moved to San Francisco, Elsie would no longer be in your Latin class. Son, I'm going to lose my patience in a minute. Well, Mr. Haskins said it's on my account the family moved away. Well, do I have to say anything more? No, no. I want you to answer me a question. If ever in your life you lied to me, don't do it now. If you are responsible, I'll stand behind you. But if you're not responsible, someone is going to hear from me. Are you or are you not guilty? No, sir. I'm not. as principal of this school, are you willing to take the responsibility for attaching the stigma to a boy on the strength of rumor? Well, naturally, I conducted a thorough investigation before I act. I'll appreciate it if you tell me where it led you. If you don't, I'll turn this town upside down. Well, I, uh, I'll be happy to tell you all that I know. <clears throat> uh, our superintendent of schools got the story from Mr. Moody. Well, Mr. Moody had heard it from Mr. Simmons, who was told by Sister Goldthwaite. Mr. Goldthwaite picked it up at the bank, from whom she didn't recall. He'd better recall. You'd be surprised, Brother Stan, all the blind alleys I've been up these past few days. I, uh, I went to see uh, Dorothy Ledbetter, and she had gone to tea one afternoon at Lulu Bigby's, and she did it. Did, did you say Lulu Bigby? Yes. Uh, Dorothy had gotten the story there under the promise never to divulge the source. 
sister. Well, the Queen sisters met that same evening, and perhaps she had betrayed the confidence. She, she wasn't quite sure. Lulu did this. One more step and we arrive at Mrs. Preston Preston. And I hope those people are happy. They've done a very good job of ruining a young boy's life. Mother, there's a, there's a pastor of bacon in California. The bishop wants to know if I'd be interested in moving. Moving? Yeah. You don't need a word to say. You're not going to quit just because of that building committee. You don't fool me, William Spence, not for a moment. That family moved to mother that uh, Mayfield family. Mayfield family? Yeah. Why, I think it's just a Yeah, it's You know, sometimes it's very hard to keep up with you, Will. You're right, dear. I, I can't quit in the middle of a fight. But I do think a little trip out to look at church over wouldn't hurt. I don't think a little trip out to San Francisco would hurt at all. <laughs> Well, Mrs. Preston, what do you suppose our dear pastor is going to do now that he's back in the town? Well, if you were see Mrs. Sandow, he'll be begging the choir to come back. I guess he's learned his lesson. Yes. I'm going in. Mrs. Preston? My brother Sam. How do you do? Good afternoon. Mrs. Preston, thank God I'm a Christian or I'd kill you. Come you cooked up a fine scheme to get me out of the church, didn't you? Well, but you I... forgot one thing, Mr. Preston. A preacher stops being a preacher and starts being a father when his son is a father. I, I don't think what you're talking I'm going to tell from my pulpit what you and your crowd have done and shame you publicly. You and your husband and your brothers-in-law are a whole scheming father. The Mayfields moved to San Francisco only because the father got a better job. And believe me, I know. I went to San Francisco and found out. Brother Why you don't deserve to live, anyway. The only reason you don't die is, is because the good Lord wouldn't know what to do with you. <laughs> you aren't really going I'm to... I'm going to make you suffer the... No. No, not. With a great deal of help from the Thurston family, I'm going to build a new church. Good afternoon, ladies. <laughs> Brother Thurston, I jealous from the look on your face that your wife has already telephoned you. Why, uh, <laughs> yes, he, I, I uh, brother Spence, I'll do anything you want. I'll never oppose you again. You made a great mistake. Oh, no, no, Brother Thurston. The Lord needs a voice to say no in his church as often as he needs one to say yes. He's relying on you for the loudest no in the church. I'm afraid I've been mighty wrong, mighty wrong, but uh, so are we all sometimes. <laughs> when I think that some of the instruments through which God has to operate, it's a wonder his work is done at all. Oh, by the way, brother Thurston, there'll be a meeting tonight of the building committee. <laughs> Everyone will be mighty glad to hear about that $85,000 you've contributed. <laughs> 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 Uh, I'll be there. You can depend on me. I'll be there. Oh, well, I didn't know I could do 
so excited. You've done a wonderful job. It's just as beyond anything you dream. Well, the parsonage isn't so bad either, Mother, hmm? A bright yellow kitchen, new refrigerator. Oh, well, isn't it all too wonderful? Yes, yes. Very, very wonderful. You know, Mother, the next church I build is going to have some outdoor tennis courts. The next church? Hmm? The next church? Now, dear, I've uh, just had a letter from the bishop. There's a little church out in Iowa. It's, uh, well, it's in trouble, Mother. Oh, really? Of course, it's up to you, dear. How long ago did you hear from the bishop? Well, about uh, three weeks ago. Three weeks? Mm-hmm. Well, you've made up your mind, then. Well, Mother, what, what do you think? Why, what I've always said. And teach me not to leave thee, or to return. I'm following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Thy people shall be my people. Thy God, my God. Mother, bless thee. Bless you, Mother. Young man, I'm to kiss you. Well, there's one thing, Mother. The, uh, the bishop says the church is not next to the firehouse. Frederick March and Florence Eldridge. Ladies and gentlemen, in a moment our stars will return to the microphone and together with them we'd like you to meet a man who was invaluable in the filming of One Foot in Heaven. But first, we have some news. This morning at Martinsville, Virginia, the doors of a brand new manufacturing plant opened and the first of a row of huge, specially designed machines made its initial run. It makes nylon yarn, this machine, and that's what the new DuPont plant at Martinsville will be making from today on. Nylon. Three months ago, with raw silk earmarks for defense purposes, hosiery mills of necessity became more dependent on other fibers. So it isn't too much to say that this new DuPont nylon plant will make the problem brought on by the silk shortage less critical for the hosiery and other textile industries and their workers. After a training period at the company's original nylon plant at Seaford, Delaware, skilled DuPont operators are now on duty at the new plant. In all, about a 1,000 employees will be needed at Martinsville, bringing the total number of jobs created directly through the production of nylon yarn to more than 3,500. And in addition, of course, nylon has saved the jobs of many thousands of workers employed in hosiery and textile mills. Present plans are to devote the first production of the new nylon plant to hosiery yarn for women's stockings. In the early part of next year, more nylon stockings should begin to reach the counters of retail stores. You can get some idea of the size of this new plant making nylon yarn from the fact that its electrical power capacity is 15,000 kilowatts, enough to furnish electricity to a city of 50,000 population. The Martinsville plant is an excellent demonstration in steel, concrete, and brick of the technical know-how for which DuPont is so widely known. The plant was designed and built in 12 months. Actual construction has taken only 10 months. Despite the fact that the main, completely air-conditioned factory building is two city blocks long and varies in height from one to six stories. And that is only the manufacturing building itself. Inside its walls, when installation of all equipment is completed, there will be an intricate array of special machines, chief of which is a battery of 16 nylon spinning machines, capable of producing more than a million miles of nylon yarn every day. Each spinning machine has 10,000 parts 
is 50 feet long and three stories tall and weighs 95,000 pounds. And these giants are precision machines made to spin delicate filaments less than one thousandth of an inch in diameter, a feat comparable to a locomotive turning out spiderwebs. Nylon itself, for that matter, is an example of such know-how that has rarely, if ever, been equaled in the history of American industry. Nylon has passed from the test tube stage of development to full-scale production faster than any other major invention of modern times, under the guidance of the DuPont chemists who bring you better things for better living through chemistry. And now we'd like you to meet our stars, Mr. March and Miss Eldridge. I would like to thank you both on behalf of the DuPont Company and all of us who work on the program for your performances on our show tonight. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Miss Collier. Thank you very much. May I say to Miss Eldridge and myself, it is a very real privilege for us to appear with the cavalcade players and presenting this splendid American story. Now, Miss Collier, I'd like our radio audience to meet a man we spoke of a moment ago. A man who has become a very good friend of mine. He supervised the technical direction of the film, and without his help, one foot in heaven, it wouldn't be the picture that we feel it is. The Reverend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale of the Marble Collegiate Church in New York City. Well, Brother Mark, it's good to see you again. I certainly enjoyed working with you and Martha Scott in Hollywood this summer. Thank you, Doctor. And let me congratulate you, Miss Feldridge, for your gracious performance tonight. Thank you, Doctor. You know, I'm anxious to hear, and I'm sure our radio audience is too, what you think of One Foot in Heaven as radio conceived it. I liked it. It seems to me that Cavalcade has skillfully captured the great humanity and courage of the picture itself. I felt again as I listened that One Foot in Heaven, with its timeliness and power, reveals the strength of America today. For this reason, I am happy that DuPont has given the radio audience a preview of this beautiful story. Thank you, Dr. Peel, and we'd like you and Miss Eldridge and Mr. March to know that we hope this new Warner Brothers picture will enjoy the success it so richly deserves as it is shown throughout the country. Next week, the Cavalcade of America will present Henry Fonda, starring in his romantic and thrilling role of Gil Martin in Drums Along the Mohawk. Our radio adaptation of this great 20th century Fox motion picture is based on the best-selling novel of the same name by Walter D. Edmonds. The orchestra and the original musical score are under the direction of Don Bury. Cavalcade would like to thank the New York Theatre Guild for interrupting rehearsals of its new play, Hope for Harvest, in which Frederick March and Florence Eldridge will soon appear on Broadway in order that we might...